Welcome to Trap Talks. My name is Sushant. I am an e-commerce entrepreneur and each week we bring an inspiring entrepreneur or business person from e-commerce, retail or tech industries to help you discover how to start and grow your own e-commerce business. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let's get started. Hey there, entrepreneurs. My name is Sushant and welcome to Trep Talks. This is the show where I interview successful e-commerce entrepreneurs, business executives, and thought leaders and ask them questions about their business story and also dive deep into some of the strategies and tactics that they have used to start and grow in their businesses. And today I'm really excited to welcome Keish Wasnani and Vanessa Jaswani to the show. Keish and Vanessa are the co-founders and the husband and wife team behind Nomad Lane. Nomad Lane is a brand of thoughtfully designed travel bags and accessories for the modern traveler. And today I want to ask Keish and Vanessa a few questions about their entrepreneurial story and some of the strategies and tactics that they have used to start and grow the, uh, Nomad Lane. So thank you so much for joining me today at Trip Talks. Thanks for having us. Hi. Perfect. Nice to talk to you today. So um, I know that you guys have uh, a very interesting story. So I'm very interested to... Uh, know if you can share uh, a little bit about how you guys met and what motivated you to start a business uh, Nomad Lane together. Yeah, so um, Keish and I met, I guess it was almost seven years now. Yes, it's been a while. And, um, you know, the thing that really drew us to each other was this passion for travel. And actually, right as we met, um, Keish had accepted an assignment in India, whereas I was based in New York. Um, and we continued talking to each other and, um, you know, I, I, we really enjoyed the conversations. And so we would have dates all over the world, essentially. So we would meet up in India where he was or in Europe. Um, we went to Turkey. We did like hot air balloons in Cappadocia. And so travel was really at the heart of our relationship. Yeah, our, our relationship was long distance uh, from the beginning. So that was kind of like the norm for us to, you know, kind of meet up in different places, even though we were in two different places. And so I think a lot of the things that or a lot of the situations that we faced when we were going to go meet each other or traveling together was eventually the inspiration uh, for Nomad Lane. And you started this business after you got married or was it like even before uh, that? It was uh, after we got married. Actually, uh, Vanessa had started like another e-commerce business kind of on the side, kind of testing out some things on Etsy. And then uh, I eventually, um, I was actually fired from my job for like the second time over the course of years. And so once uh, Vanessa had started, uh, you know, she started figuring out some things. I then jumped in and then we kind of put our heads together and then landed on uh, this other niche of travel and then started Nomethane together. Okay. And uh, can you share a little bit about, you know, your, um, the product itself, what problem it is solving for people and who, who is the target market? Uh, so, okay. So, I mean, <laughs> so right now, I mean, obviously if you had asked us this, uh, eight months ago, the answer would be different. Um, but, you know, just keeping in mind with everything going on in the world, you know, uh, initially like both Vanessa and I, we were both uh, business travelers, um, you know, we'd like to, you know, kind of keep our belongings organized because we've lost so many things while traveling. Um, we also like functional design and aesthetically pleasing 
things as well. And so that was kind of the thinking behind the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I'm just a very clumsy person in general. I lose everything. So just having a spot for everything. And, uh, you know, like when you're on the road as much as we are, you know, you just don't want to think about, you know, uh, kind of like where your belongings are or, you know, if you forget something, et cetera. You just want to know it's there. It looks nice and you can get in and off, you know, in and out of the airport uh, as easy as possible, in and out of your airline seat as easy as possible and just, you know, be on the move. Um, kind of like your typical uh, business traveler. So I, I do know that, you know, as you mentioned a little bit about the whole COVID situation and its impact on the travel industry. And, you know, of course, that probably um, reflects on your business also. Um, has has it motivated you to, you know, pivot your business in some way? So instead of going after the travel industry, you know, try to find a different kind of bag or, you know, try to figure out a way to, uh, to uh, you know, uh, basically make the best of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I think at the heart of it, what we do is still the same. Like we still make elevated bags for professionals. And, you know, maybe the professionals aren't traveling for business right now, but they are certainly traveling for pleasure. Like we know a lot of our customers are still on the road and maybe they're not taking those exotic international trips but you know, they're either going somewhere local, they're doing a staycation, or something that's like one to two hours away for the weekend. Um, you know, short, short trips, basically. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, people are still traveling just in different ways, and so it's just you know, kind of on us right now to figure out, okay, how do we, you know, kind of adapt to fit into this new, or, or not even new, but just you know, um, a, a modified version of travel. Um, and so that's what I think we're still figuring out. And, uh, you know, we're still having a lot of conversations with our customers, obviously, on the news, you know, looking at different uh, data points, statistics, et cetera. So maybe you can take me through um, the early days of when you started the business, um, when you were coming up with this idea, because bag is such a generic product i would say and there's like all kinds of bags out there and even in travel category i would assume there's so many different kind of bags um so when you decided to start this business like was there um did you uh, test out the market to say okay you know i want to create a bag in the travel industry which you know i want to target a certain demographic um that there you know when i started this business there would actually be a demand for this i think like the the thought process you just mentioned is very like an MBA type approach. And uh, we certainly didn't have any of that. We were mm-hmm. really just designing for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But in a way, we did test out the market a little bit by um, launching smaller accessories first. We didn't want to, you know, invest you know, every dollar that we had right. um, into some things. We started off with smaller accessories like passport wallets, um, organizational cases, and that kind of thing. And, you know, we really saw people resonate with that. There was a strong interest in travel. And then we really thought about our own experiences as like business travelers, people who also traveled for fun. And every time we were on a trip and on a plane, we were like, I really wish we had this bag that just fit under the seat. You know, I could put my laptop, it was easy to get in and out or like medicines or or toiletries on a flight. Mm -hmm. So we really designed based off of our own personal need. Okay. And I know that... and sorry, and, and so, um, and, and, um, and then from there, when we did pivot into the bag, you know, we are not, you know, venture backed or anything. We're actually bootstrapping this whole business. So the way that we basically went out and tested the market was we basically, you know, had some images 
of the bag. We described it in a way that we thought would be useful. And we put it on uh, crowdfunding on Indiegogo. And that was our market testing. It wasn't, you know, let us try to do wholesale or let us try to go inside at some store or, you know, go through our own website. We want to go through a trusted platform, put out our best impression and see what people thought. And I want to talk to you about the Indiegogo in, in a little bit more detail. Uh, but before I go there, um, when you were developing this product, um, did you have to go through like a prototyping process? Like, did you have to create several versions and test it out? Can you share a little bit about, you know, the, the creating of the bag itself? Uh, what, what did you have to go through in order to build the product itself? So, I mean, I think kind of with like bringing anything to life, you know, first is the concept it's along the lines of like, you know, maybe like um, kind of like what we had like before was like a brief of, you know, if I could wave a magic wand, here's what it would do. And I think that's important, right? What would it do? What would it hold? What, what would you put in it, et cetera, without exactly knowing the shape, size, aesthetic, or color. And then from there, we just, you know, started thinking about it more and more. And then from there, you know, when you do start to work with factories and, you know, like that, you need to translate some of those thoughts into paper, into sketches, into illustrations. And so from there, we found a designer who could accurately translate what we were saying into a visual. Mm. And then once you have the visual, then you can take that and then, you know, start going around saying, hey, can you produce this visual? Here's why, et cetera. And so, you know, just kind of going through step-by-step, step, that sort of process is what uh, we did for the bag. Mm -hmm. And, you know, before the bag, we didn't have any sort of design background. We had never designed a bag before. But, uh, you know, when you follow this process, it's, you know, if you believe in something strong enough, it's almost as if anyone can do it. Mm. And, and the finding of the product designer, like, did you just use a freelancing website or did you know people who could help you with that process? Uh, it was a freelancing website that we use and, you know, honestly, we got really lucky, I think, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, even as we try and replicate this over and over again, it's quite difficult. And now that we think back on our experience and the way everything worked out, we were like, wow, I think we got really lucky to like have that success the first time around. And, and uh, <laughs> even before you went to Indiegogo, like, was there did you invest some of your personal money into the project um, before going to Indiegogo? Yeah, we uh, invested all of our personal money uh, because we, because remember before we went on Indiegogo, we had our own website and, and as uh, Vanessa mentioned, we were selling other items there mm -hmm. before. And so we had put a lot of money into inventory with the other items and, you know, it was selling okay, but it wasn't enough to like sustain us as like long-term entrepreneurs who could truly, you know, quit our jobs and kind of define our own schedule. Um, so yeah, it, it was basically all in. And then, you know, with the Indiegogo, because we didn't want to put that sort of large investment into producing a bag, which is a much larger expense versus a small accessory type item. That's why we wanted to go the crowdfunding route because we could at least, you know, if it was successful, you would at least get the money up front before placing the inventory run. So from a cash flow perspective, it worked for us. And I know that uh, when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs uh, locally, you know, uh, a lot of them choose to, you know, when they're starting their project, they would take out a personal loan uh, that they personally signed for it. 
uh, versus doing something like Indiegogo, which is kind of like you're de-risking the process, right? So you're making sure that it's not your money is not coming out of your pocket. Do you have any thoughts on on this idea about you know taking a personal loan to start a business? Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, no, I think it probably just depends too on like what you're trying to launch and like how quickly you need to get it out. If it's a type of thing where you know you need to get market traction really fast and really quickly before anyone else takes your idea, then obviously you want to go all in. Whereas if you're launching more of like a product that's completely new, that's never been done before, then crowdfunding is an excellent way to do that because um, people on the platforms love to be the first to try something. They're definitely like early adopters. If you can go that route, that's definitely ideal. But obviously not everyone can do that. Yeah, and then also you know, early on, I think it's also important to kind of understand also what type of reaction you are getting to your product or idea so that way you know, do I need to pivot, do I need to modify, or do I need to double down? Um, and so, you know, for us, you know, it was our own money, uh, but then also at times, you, you know, we did use a lot of our own credit cards as well. And so, you know, we typically max out our credit cards because we would, you know, perhaps be running some ad spend that was going really well, but then, you know, just like the credit card maximum limit. So then, you know, I, I used to go open up more credit cards and in one month, maybe I opened five or six credit cards and keep the momentum going and, you know, it worked out okay. And um, is there a difference between different crowdfunding platforms? Like, the, why did you choose Indiegogo versus like Kickstarter? Um, I mean, I think they were more like retail focused. We actually were going to be on Kickstarter um, and, you know, kind of had things built out. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I think I like the aesthetics of Indiegogo. We actually did talk to someone from there. But uh, I don't know if there's a clear, clear difference between um, two platforms. Indigo definitely has a more personalized approach. So if you're launching a product and this is the first time you've done something like that, you know, there's a team there that helps you out, that looks at your page, that can recommend like what else you can do. Versus Kickstarter, it was tougher to like get in contact with someone over there. Yeah. And then in terms of tracking, Indiegogo allows you to place your own pixel. Um, so you get a better understanding of like what's working. And then also like with Kickstarter, it's like, you know, there's like a set defined amount of 30 days, 60 days versus Indiegogo. They have a component also called in demand, which after the 60 days or after your initial campaign while you're in production, you can still take orders as well. So that's kind of what helps sustain us. And so some people, you know, um, may go on Kickstarter first because that's where they perceive to have the largest you know, um, a perhaps most interested audience. And then from there, they then go into Indiegogo in demand to then keep their campaign going. And so we, you know, I didn't want to do, you know, double work essentially. So we uh, kind of stayed on the Indiegogo process for the reasons Vanessa mentioned, as well as that uh, piece as well. Okay. And I know that your campaign was probably, um, I think there's a stat out there that it was one of the best uh, uh, campaigns that worked on Indiegogo. I'm not sure if that is still the case, uh, but um, <laughs> um, what? Uh, and I know that there was uh, uh, some marketing effort on your part, some some like uh, preparation uh, preparation efforts from your side before you went there. Uh, can you share like what made your campaign so successful? I mean, I don't know if it was like one single. Thing that made it really successful, but it was just, you know, kind of firing off on all cylinders and making sure every step of the way was being done or performed or photographed 
or talked about in the best way possible. Um, it wasn't something that we just did overnight. We, I mean, like, you know, what people don't understand also is that when you do launch a campaign, the hard part of launching a campaign happens like six months before you launch, you know, that's where all the preparation work comes in. And that was, I think one of the main things that we did um, was just start thinking about it three months, six months before we actually hit launch. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the most important thing when you launch a product obviously is like um, figuring out your messaging, like, you know, for example, our bag, there's a hundred things we could say about this bag. It does like this and this and this and this, or it fits on the seat. And what we really did was like, we narrowed it down to just a few things. We were like to our customers, who are these people who do these things, who are this age and who are most likely this gender. These are the three things that are the most important to them. And these are the three things we're going to talk about the most. And you just drill that in throughout your whole page. And, you know, the second part of that is obviously visual. Like crowdfunding is a very visual platform. Your video is like the most important asset you could have. And so that's something we spent a lot of time doing, you know, working on a script, like really focusing on the messaging within the video. And so those are the couple of things that we would, you know, really recommend focusing on. And I think a big part of also was that you build an uh, you built an email list um, mm-hmm. of people who would be interested in your uh, product. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about um, how did you build that email list and what was uh, um, how did you choose the the people to include um, like the audience uh, to be in that email list that that would eventually be interested in your bag? Yes, I mean, uh, um, originally what we did, because, you know, even before we launch a campaign, like, you know, if you do a campaign right, that's also a lot of investment. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of like pre-campaign. We just wanted to understand, okay, if we were to launch a campaign, what type of interest would we get? Mm -hmm. The best way to do that and what we followed was we just did a simple landing page, like one page, a bunch of images, and as Vanessa mentioned, talked about the two or three things that we felt would be most important to our customers. And then from there, you know, even with like a little bit of digital marketing savviness, you know, you can go on Facebook, you know, and, you know, put like an ad budget of, I think we did like five bucks a day or something, $5 a day. And let's just target different audiences. And then every day, every other day, every week, we would just check and see, okay, what kind of traffic happened? How many people signed up? Um, And so that's kind of how we started building out our email list. And at least we knew that they were somewhat interested because of the different interests that we were targeting as well as what the um as well as the copywriting on the landing page so basically it was a process of okay you went on facebook ads and because facebook ads gives a lot of data on the audience you basically segmented into into different maybe based on age and interest and things like that and then was there a time or even today, do you have a very good understanding of what kind of audience like really resonates with your uh, messaging based on that kind of data? Or are there other ways of knowing that? Honestly, we're always testing. Like, yeah. you know, even especially with like as things are changing in the current market, we're always like saying, okay, maybe the, these other people would be interested in as well. So I think, you know, that's, that's been something that's like, it's been an iterative process that we've, we've mm-hmm. gone through. Okay. Um, initially, uh, when you were doing your Indiegogo and even before Indiegogo, uh, what were some of the marketing, PR, sales efforts that you were doing that were giving you results? Um, can you share a little bit about that? And, and then I'm going to ask you about, you know, what kind of things you're doing now. 
We, I think we just talked about this to everyone we could talk about it yep. to. Literally. Exactly. Like, we were like the, the brand ambassadors. <laughs> we spammed all our friends over and over. Okay. Something great was coming out. We had to harass them to share and repost on their Facebook mm-hmm. and share with their friends. We were, in, we were in New York City at the time, and so just everywhere we went, like, I would purposely carry the bag with me even if I didn't need to carry a bag. And then I'd walk up to you and be like, hey, do you want to see what this is? I know you didn't ask me, but I still want to show you. And then from there, we went to like all these different you know, networking and meetup events and just met people and just kept talking and talking and talking. You know? And we, we stalked a lot of like reporters online, too. We just re- they cold emailed everyone we could find, anyone who we thought could be remotely relevant. Mm-hmm. Like we just, we did everything we could think of. Yeah. I mean, like uh, just <laughs> anyone who would talk to us, like we would talk back, right? You know, if, as long as they didn't chase us out of the room or the subway car or something, we, <laughs> we would just keep talking, you know? Cool. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about your manufacturing and which I do in uh, most of my interviews, uh, just to get an idea of, uh, just to share, you know, because manufacturing is such a big part of any product. Um, can you share a little bit about your manufacturing process and how maybe it has evolved from, you know, when you started to, uh, to now? Sure. Sure. I mean, like when we started, you know, uh, if you um, think back earlier in the conversation where we started talking about having the visual and a designer, you know, we basically took that drawing and that uh, design, you know, and we actually ended up uh, going to a fair in China and, you know, just kind of, cause like we had kind of heard that, okay, this is a place to go to, um, you know, where everyone comes to a lot of factories come and, uh, you know, we were new, didn't know too much and just started, you know, showing our design and um, had basically found a factory to work with and to fulfill our order. Um, and then things went okay, sort of. Uh, I, I think we definitely know a lot more now today than we did, you know, four years ago when we first started. And I think it's safe to say that, you know, yes. And, you know, even if you go look on our Indiegogo page right now, you'll see that we did make mistakes. Uh, there were some product defect issues and, you know, we took it very personally, you know, versus if you go look on our website and look at the website reviews, you'll see a night and day difference. And I think that's just a testament to how far we've come along in the manufacturing process. Um, but, you know, I think early on, it's just really important just to be careful every step of the way. And uh, especially if you don't have manufacturing background, bring in a little bit of outside help wherever possible. Even if you can't afford, you know, everything soup to nuts, at least where possible, bring in some help. And where would one go about finding this kind of help? Like, are there consultants out there or? Yeah, there's a ton of like agents, consultants. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, lots of people online essentially are on LinkedIn that can help. Yeah, I mean, I think like the main thing to search for would be like quality control assurance or quality control firm, you know, someone who has your best interest at heart, because a lot of times when you work with manufacturing companies and factories and stuff, they'll tell you, hey, you know, no need to hire someone. We have someone in-house and we can check for you before we ship out to you. Just go ahead and send us the full amount. Just go ahead and send us the money now. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we, you know, that's going to happen a lot. And I think it's important. And while it sounds tempting, especially when you're first starting out and don't, you know, have all the money in the world, 
it's very important to have someone on your side to pay just a little extra, have a third party to actually go into the factory and to inspect things to your specifications or else, you know, they're a factory person. You have to think whose interests are aligned with who. And I think it's very important to, to analyze early on when you do go into any sort of manufacturing process. So basically, you did not go the Alibaba way. You decided that you're going to visit China and you're going to talk to manufacturers yourself. Do you recommend that um, to everyone or is, is that just the approach that you took and it, it worked out for you? Ideally, it's that you would go and visit the factory because you never know who you're talking to online. Obviously, things are a, diff- a little different right now with travel <laughs> restrictions and stuff. So at least, you know, start the conversation Maybe have some video calls, and then as soon as po- as soon as you possibly can visit the factory, that would be ideal. Yeah, yeah, you know, especially you nowadays. It's very easy to pretend you're someone else, or you know, it's very easy for a factory to say, "Oh, look, you know, we make this high quality bag. You know, why don't you come make your bag with us as well?" So, you know, especially as uh, Vanessa said, like nowadays it's a little more difficult. So I would even say, work with someone whose reputation you can verify independently. Maybe like a mutual connection, you know, et cetera. Um, but, uh, you know, especially if you are doing your manufacturing process in Asia, and I think also, you know, to a certain degree um, in the U.S. and Europe, et cetera, you know, I think it is good to meet, um, you know, someone, uh, you know, there face-to-face, um, you know, who can kind of help you walk you through the process. And because you are handing over a large amount of money as well, you know, there is – there's money being transferred back and forth. So yeah, it is good to have that in place. Okay. And so what are all the different sales channels that you're selling through right now? Of course, right now it's a little bit different, but um, what, what, what have you been selling through um, your website? Are you on Amazon? Are you in retail stores? Uh, We're just yeah, on our website yeah. right now. We're all direct okay. consumer. Um, you know, we really enjoy having that one-to-one connection with our customer. So yeah. you never designed, you never thought of going the Amazon route. Why was that? I mean, like we have thought about it. Um, we're honestly, we're uh, seeing like pretty good success on our own website right now. Um, you know, when you get on any other third party platforms, it's harder to manage. It's one more thing you, you have to, you have to be good at. You have to know how to sell on Amazon. It's different than knowing how to sell on your own website. So I think if it's something you do, it's something you go all into. Um, whereas right now we're really focused on our own site. Okay. And uh, so given that you are doing your own uh, website, um, do you do your own fulfillment? Like, do you have a third party uh, logistics? How do you fulfill orders? Yeah, we have a third party logistics team that we work with. And so, you know, even with that, you know, you just have to be tremendously organized you know, everything label, barcode numbers, et cetera, and just have a good system and, a, you know, good communication level back and forth. Um, and so, you know, for example, if you were to go to the website right now and place an order, it would get routed to the proper person, you know, the right order would get picked, the right label would be put on there and it would be, um, be uh, shipped out, you know, get sent to you and arrive to your door in a few days. And you ship out internationally anywhere uh, all over the world? Uh, not anywhere we do to, I mean, obviously, uh, the U S, uh, we do a lot of that. Uh, and then, you know, to select countries because, you know, some countries also it's tough to ship to. And then if the order doesn't arrive, then the customer blames you and they want the money back, but it might be lost in transit, et cetera. 
Um, so, you know, I think early on we just did a lot of analyses and said, okay, where do we think a lot of our customers are or where do we see a lot of website traffic coming from? And let's just pick, you know, the top 10, top 15 places and just focus on shipping there. Um, you know, I think in the future, we'll obviously open it up to more and more places um, as we grow. And honestly, that's something that you see with crowdfunding too. The campaigns that try to ship to every country, they always end up messing it up. There's no way to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. You're better off selecting, you know, these are the 10 countries where a lot of crowdfunding orders come in. I'm just going to focus on those. Yeah. It's better to get it right. I mean, you know, even if you go look on Kickstarter and you go where they have that option, ship to all countries. You know, it's like 190 countries in the world. Okay. And you know, when you think about it, like it's in the best interest of Indigo Kickstarter for them to say that for you to agree to that because it gives them more exposure as well. But you know, on your end, you're the one who's responsible for delivering the product. So it's very good as a part of that pre campaign planning process that we talked about earlier to also just narrow down and say, okay, where will most likely the sales come from? Let's just open up to those countries. And if you have a request, from a different country, okay, look into it and see if it's possible, um, and then go from there. And what are your thoughts on shipping costs? Because I um, I understand that your your bag is relatively um, heavy, uh, I would think so. Um, do you offer free shipping on all your orders, or um, and if yes, like how do you manage that shipping cost? Do you add it to the uh, cost of the product? Uh, do you, um, you know, is it coming out of your own pocket? Uh, what are your overall thoughts on like the shipping costs? So with shipping, it's definitely hard to get started and to get good rates when you get started. So when we first started on Indiegogo, we actually did charge shipping to our customers because we were also trying to build a relationship with our carriers and our carriers like FedEx, UPS, you know, um, um, and the post office just to kind of understand, okay, what type of volume would we have, et cetera. And obviously in return, things were heavily discounted. Um, now on our website, you know, uh, it's different than selling Indiegogo. We have a different set of expenses and costs to go through. But one thing that we did include in our model was free shipping to the customer uh, inside the U.S., you know, we feel that if a customer is deciding on making an investment of our bag versus another bag, we don't want that to be a limiting factor. So it's up to us to be as competitive as possible. And so, yes, we do offer free shipping uh, on all U.S. orders in the lower contiguous 48 states. Okay. And uh, what does your team look like right now is it just the two people or do you have like virtual people assistants who work who help you with marketing and things like that yeah so right now in terms of like full-time it's just the two of us and then um, we have a couple people spread all over the country and some um some in asia as well who help us with a variety of different things from um, customer service to managing social um but primarily the two of us yeah and we, also, um, and we also have help like quality control, factory representatives, you know, photography, art direction, things like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about your marketing. Uh, if you could share a little bit about, you know, what kind of marketing efforts work the best for you. Of course, I I would assume that you have probably have a good uh, large email list that you uh, market to? Uh, do you do Google ads, Facebook ads? Um, and uh, yeah, how, wh- what kind of marketing efforts work best for this this kind of product? 
I think anything that's really visual has worked well for us um, because the bag, you know, has a lot of different pockets. People love to see how it's packed. Um, so any like visual platform has done really well. So in terms of ads, you know, it's like Facebook and Instagram, um, working with some influencers who can really talk about, you know, the bag in detail, and how they would pack it or how they have packed it. Um, those are the things that work well for us. And also, you know, part of any good marketing strategy is not to over rely on one channel or one method, you know, so, you know, yes, you know, there are things that work for us and we're also always testing out different things and, you know, trying to, you know, approach our customers in different ways all the time. Uh, and I know um, when I searched for your business, um, you have, uh, you have a lot of good press from like a lot of good uh, publications. Uh, did that come uh, come about organically because, you know, you had a great um, Indiegogo campaign and you have a good story or do you actually have to go out and pitch to these publications and what can other businesses learn from your um, experiences? Um, it's been a, a bit of a mix. Mm. Uh, a lot of people have found us. Um, and then like at certain times when we were launching the Indiegogo campaign, we would, you know, hunt down anyone who would be remotely interested in our product. We've done a little bit of both, um, you know, and, and obviously the recommendation is to, to keep finding people who are relevant to your audience, um, you know, figure out the publications <coughs> that your audience really trusts and, you know, find people within those, uh, within those areas. And, you know, especially early on, it's like, someone is looking for press or you know, looking for a way to reach out to reporters without having any sort of budget. But, you know, you know, if they're the best idea, there's actually a resource that we used early on and sometimes we use it today as well. It's called help a reporter.net mm -hmm. or Harrow H A R O. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they send out daily emails like one, two, three times a day of reporters, you know, who have a very clear ask of, Hey, you know, I'm ready for this publication looking for this type of product or service if it's you please reply back you know with these specific guidelines and we did a lot of that you know like for example we were featured in the los angeles times you know and that's how we got that you know was just by i saw that come across and we just replied and you know gave our story so i think that's something that often gets overlooked you don't always need to have the biggest budget or the most amount of money to get in front of you know reporters or publications if you just roll your sleeves up and start looking and Googling, you know, you can find someone who's willing to, you know, talk about what you have to offer. And I think your story is really important too, because people can tell when you're just trying to shill a product versus like for us, we really focus on why, you know, why we started Nomad Lane, why, why we love travel, how it was at the heart of our love story. So I think that's, you know, that's really important for an entrepreneur to figure out as well. Like what's their connection to the product and what's their story and what makes them different. And I also saw that, um, Quite a few influencers on YouTube and other places have talked about your your products, mm -hmm. and uh, they have like done comparison and things like this. Uh, is this more like that they they are doing it on their own, or is this more of a strategic business decision where you're reaching out to them and saying, "Hey, would you talk about my product?" Uh, and and like, is there like some budget involved there? Uh, can you share a little bit about uh, you know what this process is like and and how is it? beneficial for your business yeah yeah i think it's been a little bit of both you know mm -hmm. if you google us now like you know like one thing people love to do especially on e-commerce right it's different because right? you just click 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 buy and it shows up at your door 
So something that's really taken off now is an unboxing experience. A lot of people love to do this, uh, you know, for their own channel. And, you know, a lot of people love to watch it as well. And so, you know, kind of with that, we kind of fit in where we feel we can make the most impact. So, yes, we do work with some people. Um, and there are others who just straight up order it. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get a notification. Oh, someone mentioned your bag. And we start, oh, this mm -hmm. is because I think we're also just as excited to see these videos as other people are you know as well because it's not something that we you know like we i mean like we have never 100 percent fully scripted a youtube video you must say this and no not at all you know if you you know go on a website you order it gets delivered you talk about it in the way you want to talk about it. and that's uh 100 accurate on how all the youtube videos are on our product and that's something and I, we like look for when, when someone reaches out to us too. Mm -hmm. so let's say someone's like, oh, I'm a YouTube influencer or I'm an Instagram influencer and could you send me a product? We go through like, you know, their entire feed, every video they've done, really try and understand like, is this person authentic? Mm -hmm. Are they authentic to the travel industry? Do they know what they're talking about? And so we make sure that, you know, the person really resonates as well. Okay. But there is no like legal process involved where, you know, you have to sign a contract or anything that, you know, they don't uh, put a negative light on your brand or anything like that. Um, no, we, we don't uh, control what they say. Yeah. So it's an honest review. Like there's no like, oh, you should say it. there's no talking points or anything like that. Yeah. In terms of like, if you paid for something, like obviously there's like written communication of like, oh, you know, Maybe if we send a content creator a bag, we're like, oh, we would love if you send us back some photos. That's basically it. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, we don't say that absolutely you cannot say this and you cannot say that. It's just good to, you know, kind of do your work up front, understand, okay, what type of person is this? What type of audience do they have? You know, what are their gut reactions? Because, you know, it's also on them to produce good content for their audience so people can come back to them and watch their videos and watch their content. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, just kind of pick and choose accordingly, you know, communicate as much as possible and, you know, click play and watch their video. Can you share um, a little bit about, um, do you have like any e-commerce tool recommendations or um, apps that work really well for you in terms of like running or growing your business? Uh, so, you know, we are on Shopify. So that's, you know, obviously um, the most important one to us that we constantly work on and tweak, et cetera. Yeah, I think um, also reviews are really important. Um, we use the Judge Me app um, and that's worked pretty well for us too. So I think just having like a good re a review flow and sequence is good. Um, social media, when I, I looked at your Instagram uh, uh, profile and, uh, you know, of course, you know, you have a large audience there and you have beautiful photos. Can you share a little bit about your content strategy there? I, what I saw uh, is that uh, a few photos there were like reposts of other people, but other photos were product photos. Can you share a little bit about how you take those photos? Like, do you... Um, uh, do you hire a, a photographer to take those photos in like a uh, in a studio setting or uh, do you take them yourself? How do you take those photos and is there a large budget involved in that? Um, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. Uh, we have definitely scheduled some lifestyle shots, especially when we were in New York. 
And now we're working with a couple of other people who are, you know, all over the U.S. to try and um, pull in that content. And then we also love resharing inspirational photos for us. It's not really like, you know, we're not like product, 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 like buy, buy, buy. That's not, you know, that's not how we operate on social. It's very like inspirational. We talk a lot about travel, travel ideas, especially now that travel is changing so much. What else could you be doing? Like how do you spend time outdoors safely? So it's very, you know, informational and motivational. So right now you uh, have, I think, one main product, which is called the Bento Bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, are you planning on adding additional products in the future? Is that uh, something that you're working on? Yes. In the future, yes. We certainly will be adding on uh, additional items. And, you know, kind of, you know, right now it's a very, you know, rapidly changing time. So we just want to make sure we get a good grip on, okay, you know, once we can foresee, okay, here's what, next six months nine months 12 months will look like you know here's here's what we'll launch we obviously have some ideas and you know i think it's just a matter of us to figure out kind of which one we think you know will be something that our audience will resonate with and we will do that in 2021 okay now i think uh, in everyone's entrepreneurial story uh, entrepreneurial journey uh, there's either mistakes made or there are failures. Could you share uh, one or two of your um, either biggest mistakes or biggest failures and what have you learned from them and uh, what can other entrepreneurs learn from your mistakes? Yeah, I think, uh, well, at least, you know, um, at least from my perspective, early on, like when you're new to an industry or new to something that you don't have background in, I think there's a lot of people there who are waiting for people like you because they want to take advantage of you. You know, they want to manipulate you or they want to convince you, oh, this is fine. Trust me. You're just starting. I've been doing this for so many years. You know, you just say be careful at every step of the way. Question, ask more questions. You know, think about it. Don't make any quick, rash uh, decisions. You know, we, you know, just, you know, and this is no secret, but like I said, if you go look on our Indiegogo page, you'll see if you scroll down, you know, we did have some problems with zippers. We didn't have a really good understanding of how important zippers are to bags, right? If your zipper breaks, even though it's like the cheapest component or not a very expensive component of your bag, zipper breaks, the whole bag is useless. And uh, so I think that was one of the biggest things that we had to dig ourselves Mm -hmm. out of, especially early on. So, you know, kind of understand what you're doing, ask a bunch of questions, think about it, you know, talk to someone else and then make a decision. So I guess I guess you know in the in the zipper world there there's probably like a premium zipper that that's like that's like the king of zippers. <laughs> we, have, we have like a stack of zipper books like this big. Like I don't even know if your screen is big enough to show how big <laughs> you know our pile of zipper books are, but we will never make that mistake again. So now I'm going to move on to the rapid fire round, and basically in this round I'm going to ask you a few quick questions, and uh, you can answer them in one or two words or one or two sentences. So the first one is, do you have any book recommendations for entrepreneurs or business executives in 2020 and why? Uh, my favorite book that I recommend to everyone who I talk to, and uh, it, it's a book called Never Split the Difference. Okay. And uh, it's written by a former FBI hostage negotiator. I think his name is uh, Chris Voss. And, uh, you know, especially, you know, in times like this with the whole world changing and the pandemic going on, it just talks about how everything is negotiable. And in the, and in that respect, how to negotiate 
And, you know, a negotiation is not, you know, you win, you know, uh, um, you win, you lose, but it's a very collaborative effort. So highly recommend the book, Never Split the Difference. And I would recommend the book Shoe Dog. Um, it's a story of the Nike founder and how he traveled to Japan and found these shoes and started online. And um, it's very inspirational for anyone starting a business. Perfect. Um, an innovative product or idea in the current e-commerce, retail, or tech landscape that you're excited about? So this is a tough one. Uh, I mean, we think there's a lot going on, especially with us, because we are uh, you know, built on Shopify. And so like, it's always interesting to see like, the new apps and new integrations that uh, come out. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, like, you know, even until today, I think Shopify is a very dynamic company because it's never been easier to start your own e-commerce website. Uh, but also in the same token, it's also never been harder to stay relevant over a long period of time. Um, any, anything from you or? No, I think, uh, that was it. <laughs> okay. Uh, a productivity tool or software that you recommend? Anything um, that makes you productive? I recommend Airtable. Um, I use it for everything. It's kind of like a mix of Pinterest and an Excel spreadsheet. So anytime you know, I'm like trying to plan out a content calendar or even like our product messaging, it's like a great way to bring in images as well. Okay. Um, a startup or business um, in e-commerce, retail, or tech that you think is doing great things? So something I think is interesting right now, and uh, we um, you know, kind of have seen this and uh, are interested in doing this, is uh, there's a company called uh, Showfields. And basically what they do is uh, they're like a pop-up retail type experience, and they help a lot of digital brands like ourselves have our first physical footprint. And so um, I think it's very interesting because, you know, otherwise you only see like a brand like ours online only. And, you know, something that we get a lot is, hey, you know, I'd love to buy this, but I just want to touch it, feel it, hold it before I buy it. And I think uh, Showfields, a company like Showfields.com is really helping to break down that uh, barrier. A peer entrepreneur or business person who inspires you? Uh. I personally like uh, Sarah Bleakley, the founder of Spanx. You know, she also, you know, in a similar situation to us, you know, bootstrapped her business, uh, not in a similar situation to us yet. We're not billionaires, but, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, I think uh, those types of stories we really like to, you know, glean insights and learn more about because we try to take little tidbits and apply it to our situation. And uh, the uh, a best best business advice that you have ever received or you would give to other entrepreneurs? Uh, this, this is like, you know, more from like us growing up, you know, with our background, but you know, just the biggest thing I learned, you know, was just make money faster than you spend. It. Mm -hmm. That's all, you know, keep your overhead low, you know, like, like I was never told not to spend money. Or, you know, I, I was just told if you're going to spend it, make sure you make it faster than you spend it. So just keep that in mind. I think uh, Warren Buffett says, um, you know, there are two, two rules of business. First rule is don't lose money. And second rule is don't forget rule number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and final question for you. What, what is it like uh, to be in business with your spouse? Um, 
do you is it is it easy to work as you know husband wife team uh, does it have any effect on your like personal relationship how do you find working uh, with your spouse i think the most important advice that we would give is to have like a clear division of responsibilities um you know like i handle all the marketing everything digital the website and Keish handles everything else that i don't want to do <laughs> and so as long as you have those lines then um at least there's you know a sense of separation like who makes the final decision when it comes to certain things yeah it's also like you know very important to communicate as well as just day in day out like even more so than you would if like you know for example if you know a husband wife team if they you know wake up every day and go out to work in different jobs and they come back and meet you know for us um most days we sit this close to each other you know now we're you know you know we're starting to get our own you know defined spaces but it's just a matter of like being flexible early on figuring out your working style and obviously you know trusting the person you work with so i think here we check those boxes for each other i think i hope <laughs> okay those were all the questions that i had now is your opportunity to share your uh, business website any other um, products or services how can people get in touch with you um, Yeah, so you can find us on our own website. It's um, www.nomadlane.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram with the same handle, nomad, at Nomad Lane. And on Facebook, we're at Nomad Lane Travel. Perfect. Thank you um, both to Keish and Vanessa for joining me today, for sharing your story, your personal story, your business story, also a lot of the strategies and tactics that have helped you to start and grow your business. So thank you again for your time and for joining me today at Drift Talks. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you very much. Perfect.